Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Samantha and Denise. We're so happy that you are taking the time to join us this week. We are featuring our monthly Q&A episode, which we've gotten a lot of nice feedback on from you all. And we have some great questions and some even better stories that you all have sent in to share with you all. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this hour with Denise and me as we read questions that you all have sent us. And if you too would like to be a part of our monthly Q&A segment, please feel free to send Denise and me your question either on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empath, or through our email, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. Denise, would you like to start with our questions? I would love to. Thank you. This starts right out with someone with beautiful accolades. Love, love, love both of your podcasts. So I think that's for psychic teachers and enlightened empaths. My middle child, Magnolia, is five. And ever since she was born, I knew she was special. Last year, when she was four, we got out of the car and she said she saw flashing lights by the barn. I could not see any lights. Since I know she has some special gift, I said, okay, we should go see it. Off towards the barn we went, and she saw it out of the corner until she said it slowly faded, then acted as if nothing happened and wanted to go inside and play. I was super excited about this, but didn't make a big deal out of it. I told her she was special because she was able to see her fairies or angels. She went through bouts of night terrors last year as well. I then heard you mention to pray to Archangel Michael, so I made up a prayer, and ever since then, the night terrors stopped. Thank you. My prayer is, Archangel Michael and the angels of light, please be with us during this night. May your angels stay outside our windows and doors. We ask of this and so much more. To be with us while we astral travel to help us find our soul plan so that we may bring more peace, love, and happiness to our world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My question about her is she has a freckle or mole right in the middle of her forehead. She looks like the lovely ladies from India. Does this have any meaning? She also has two sets of freckles and lines of three. We read the children's spiritual reader at dinner, Mountains, Meadows, and Moonbeam. After reading about auras, she said, I can see auras, then proceeded to tell me what colors we were. She does this on a regular basis now. I love your tips on psychic children, but just curious what you thought about the freckle and anything else I can help with. Thanks, Candice. Wow, what a great story. I love the prayer that she came up with too. That's beautiful. It, it truly is. And it's it's something that I think um, will be, become very precious for her daughter as well. And what a gift that these beautiful, intuitive children that are being born into this world are being born to families that are so open and receptive to this. I'm, I'm just so excited about these young generations coming in. I am as well. And also because everything is shifting so quickly, and I, I know that I've mentioned this several times on several shows, that the polarity is, is getting more extreme. And, you know, we can get into brain chemistry and technology and all that business. But truly, the kids coming in that are shining such a bright light and they're not shutting it off whereas a lot of kids hit school age and then they start to acclimate to the surroundings and I'm, I'm not seeing that so much with with a lot of the small children coming in right now which is very very exciting I agree now, to answer her question in particular about the freckle, on my other podcast, Psychic Teachers, Deb and I did a show on past lives, 
and I reference this in particular, there's been a lot of research, not so much into freckles, but more into moles and birthmarks and are they connected to a past life. Dr. Ian Stevenson and his mentee, Dr. Jim Tucker, have done a lot of research on this where they will take a birthmark or a significant mole in this life and then they will take the past life that the child has recalled and see if something connected to that past life relates to the birthmark they have now. So for example, if a child has a past life memory of being, I hate to use such a gruesome example, but it's the only one that's coming to mind from what I've studied and read. There was, an ex- there was a child who remembered a past life of being shot in the back, I believe with an arrow, and he had a birthmark in this life in the exact spot he remembered being shot with the arrow. Isn't that fascinating? Well, I just have to share this, and I'm not familiar with with this, but it's it's very. My older son has um, two strawberry birthmarks on his lower leg, and he was really, really into the Civil War. Like when he was a little tiny guy, he'd talk about the Civil War. We'd talk about. He loved history, and then one day I noticed how they lined up perfectly. I said out loud, "I said." Oh my gosh, that's what, and he's had, he had troubles with, with his legs when he was younger, he hated to run, all these things. And I said, that's where the bullet went through your legs in the Civil War. And he just looked at me, but they lined up perfectly, like it had gone in through one leg and come out through the other leg. Wow. So Has he and, had any, like, past life regression work done? No, this is my, my science, math, linear, sequential child, who... Oh, right. <laughs> Who will it has finally gotten to the point where I'm thinking of buying this truck. What are you, are you getting a good hit on it? So I mean we're we're a work in progress with that son. <laughs> well, I would recommend that Candace just do some reading on Dr. Ian Stevenson's work. If you just Google Dr. Ian Stevenson, his website will come up. He has now passed away, but his work still lives on, luckily. And a lot of the well-documented research he did is still able to be viewed on the internet. And then Dr. Jim Tucker, who has taken on his work, has his own website with some pretty cool information. But I would say that she definitely is raising an intuitive child who can see auras and see fairy lights and sensor angels and all sorts of cool stuff. And I just wonder if the mole, it's right in the middle of her forehead, I'm sorry, the freckle, I'm wondering if maybe she did have a past life in India because, you know, the women wear that as their mark of beauty. But I believe there there's some, but I believe that part of that mark that those beautiful women in India wear is connected to the third eye. It's not just a mark of beauty. I, I think it's, it is connected to the third eye and a reminder that it is there. And so I wonder if it's also a reminder for her sweet little girl that she does have this third eye and it is awakened and able to see. I love that. And I, I just have to share one very funny little thing about the third eye is my other son who is highly intuitive, highly sensitive, little tiny guy, maybe three or four. And we were making crafty stuff with little googly eyes. And I turned around and he had put one right in the middle of his forehead. And he said, oh, I'm opening my third eye. And he laughed. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a picture of him somewhere and he has a little googly eye in the middle of his forehead. So yes, when they're waking up, it's fabulous. It really is. I love too when she shared that, you know, she asked about 
the auras and what auras do I have? And then the little girl didn't say much more about it. That has happened to me so many times with my own kids. They'll say something so cool and psychic and I'll push and push for more information. And and when they were little, you just couldn't get it. You know, my child would say, oh, I saw a fairy at the pool with us. And I would say, really? What did the fairy look like? Oh, you know, a fairy. Well, no, I don't know. Like, tell mom, (laughs) now that they're older, they'll talk a little bit more about it. But, well, they don't see fairies anymore. But when they were little, it was hard to get that information out of them. What I learned is that it's best to just be receptive when they are willing and able to talk about it. Just be receptive. And I've learned... I get more information by not asking too many questions. Yes. The other thing that has helped me a lot with my intuitive little kids is um, asking them about their dreams in the morning. You know, when we're just sitting around the breakfast table, hey guys, you sleep well? Anyone have any cool dreams? And sometimes I'll get, no, I feel like I just went to sleep 10 minutes ago. I'm so tired. But sometimes (laughs) I'll get, yeah, I had this really neat dream. Can you help me figure it out? And so it's a great way to train your kids to remember their dreams and to connect with the astral level in that way as well. And and finally, I would just like to recommend weekly salt baths. I think for little intuitive wonders who are empaths and going throughout their day, feeling everything and seeing things that others can't see, it can be overwhelming. And taking a weekly, at least a weekly salt bath, I think ideally three times a week is great. I'm not saying only bathe once a week, people. Just <laughs> no one's like, good God, Samantha. I mean, in addition to your daily bathing, at least once a week, make your kids take a bath with a cup of Epsom salts and sea salts. And that that's up to you. With my older two kids, I'll do a cup of sea salt and a cup of Epsom salt and a half cup of baking soda. With my youngest, she is so sensitive in the way you and I talk about being sensitive, but she's also just physically sensitive to the salt. So I can't use as much. She'll get little bumps if I use too much on her on her tummy. So just, you know, kind of trial and error. See, see what works for you and your kids. It is just amazing what a salt bath can do. Think about how great you feel after you've, sw- after you've had a nice swim in the ocean. There is something so protective and healing and cleansing about that salt water. And so it helps just to scrub clean your little child's aura so that they can only go to bed with what are their emotions and their feelings rather than others that they've accumulated throughout the day. Very nice. Okay. I could say a whole lot more about that, but I want to get to the other questions. It just sounds like she's doing everything right. I mean, she's talking to her child about this. She's open about it. She's teaching her how to pray into her night and the night terrors have stopped. I mean, she's just doing a and, and the spiritual reader she reads at dinner time, I've never heard of that. Mountains, meadows, and moonbeams. I'm going to check it out. It just sounds like she's doing everything right. And making it okay. very normal. Yes, which is what little kids need. Okay, so our next uh, question says, Hi, Samantha. A couple of years ago, you had written a soul plan for me in which you mentioned that the owl is my spirit animal. Then last weekend, I had a reading with Kimberly Fox, and she described my spirit animal as the Ural Owl. And so you were spot on with your reading back then. I love that both of you had the same reading. It was so awesome. And while I'm sharing feedback, I really liked your latest empath podcast. The sentence for saying no because I'm saying yes to myself really resonated with me. 
As the eldest child, my parents can often put expectations on me to look after my younger siblings, even though they're now grown adults. It's difficult to say no to my parents. There's that guilt that I'm not doing enough for them or my siblings, but it drains my energy when I do what they ask, and so I've started to say no. I was going through my guilt pangs of having refused something recently when I heard your podcast. It helped calm my mind. I might hear it again just for motivation. Hope you have a great rest of your week. I love that. So I want to talk about the second comment, but first I just want to thank her for giving me that feedback. I love to get feedback like that. Who wouldn't? You were right. You were spot on. (laughs) But but I also love it for her. I mean, how great that she has such strong validation that her spirit animal is indeed an owl. I, I think that's really cool when we can do that. And I also wanted to mention, I've gotten a lot of emails over the holidays, you know, when are you going to do soul plans again myself? But I think I'm kind of caught up with a lot of stuff. So I am doing soul plans again. You can find them on my website. I'm really excited that I finally have the time to start this again. When I when I do a soul plan, all you have to do is send me your name and then that is giving me permission to kind of peek into your energy and go into your Akashic records. And what I do, it takes me a a long time to do them. You'll usually hear back from me within a week or two, but I have have kind of a, a long process. What I do is first I take your name into meditation and I just kind of write down general feelings and sensations that I'm getting about your energy and, and your chakras and, and what all of that looks like energetically. And I'll, I'll say like when I was reading your energy, I felt like your solar plexus chakra was a little blocked or your throat chakra is really open. It looks great. And then I kind of just walk away from it for like a day. And then what I'll what I do is I go back into a deeper meditation where I connect with your guides and I try to get information about who your guide is. I try to get their name and then I ask for a message from your guide, especially regarding your soul purpose and life lessons that you're working on. And I do ask for the animal guide that is working with you right now. And I also ask for because I can't help it. I always ask what crystals would best help this person right now. So it's a pretty thorough report. They end up being anywhere from 10 to 20 pages by the time I'm done. So anyway, you can find information about that on my website. I also love, Denise, that she shared this story about learning to say no. I think the hardest people to say no to are our family, especially our parents, because we think about all that they've done and sacrificed for us. And so it definitely can be an inducer of guilt when we say no to them. And yet, I think that it's time for her to to let her grown siblings be grown siblings. And by setting that boundary, she's teaching her family how to do the same. I agree. Would you like to read our next question? Sure. Hello, you wonderful ladies. <laughs> you've well, that's always nice. So, it like is. That. That's a nice. That's very nice. You've always been so kind to answer most of my questions, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. I've had another head scratcher for you and one that has me reeling emotionally. Yesterday I was on the subway as usual when I felt the strong presence of my father. He crossed over four years ago, but often comes through when I really need him. It was a strong sensation of comfort and joy, but of course this made me very emotional and I started bawling right there in front of so many people. 
and yet it was peaceful. Fast forward to later that evening and I received a message that a friend of ours in our dance community passed away. This woman that I speak of wasn't a close friend, but her facility made it possible for me to recuperate from very intense injuries and find myself again without feeling judged, as so often happens in a city filled with competitive artists. Now I wonder, is it possible for my father to have come through to assist her passing, or at least let me know that someone meaningful had passed? Otherwise, I don't understand the connection. Well, I can jump right in on that one with the mediumship one. Go right ahead. Yes, very much so. I think a lot of times people in spirit will come through to give us a heads up. And also the fact that she had such a strong emotional reaction is a spot on indicator that you have a good length. My father passed many, many years ago and when he, I still tear up when I feel him or I laugh or I feel, because it's just such a strong presence. And the fact that she's acknowledging that, I had to kind of smile as I read this in the sense of they don't really care where you are. They don't care if you're in the middle of, you know, the subway or at your dining room table, or they're not doing it to make you uncomfortable. They just want, they just pop in. And yes, I've done a lot of readings with folks who have had, I think that's one of the jobs that people have on the other side is to help other people pass. Especially, I've had a few really very, very intense, strong readings with people who have lost children or who have had people who have spent a long, lot of time in a, in a hospital setting with, with children. And a lot of times those kids will become, they'll be with someone to help other children cross over. It's part so of their I, job on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really do think that that would be a strong connection. Do you get something more or different from that? No, no, I, I completely agree. I think that it's not so much that her father was helping this soul cross over. I don't know about that. I'd have to tune into her energy. But what I feel is that her father was giving her a heads up, like this is going to happen. Yeah. It might be a little bit emotional. It's going to bring back this whole time when you were recovering from this injury and she was providing you this facility for you to recuperate and I'm here with you. And I yeah. think that's what our loved ones do so often for us. And I think the way they do it is really subtle. I mean, look, she's on a subway going to work, I'm assuming. The average person would have brushed that aside. Like, oh, I must have thought of my father because... I was feeling melancholy this morning, but that's how it happens. And, and the fact that she connected it, like, oh, I felt my dad on the subway. And then this sad event happened that night. That must have been my dad's way of warning me. The fact that she connected that is so good. And the more that we can make those connections and say to our loved ones on the other side, I got that. I heard you. Thank you. The more easily they're going to be able to get that message of comfort through to us another time. And it's just, it's really, really subtle. Like I remember I was driving home one day and I had to stop the car on a, on a residential road because there were two dubs in front of me on the road. And that's one of my signs from my dear friend, George. And I knew just from the feeling I got and from knowing him that something kind of sad was coming up that week. And sure enough, I got some difficult news about my dad and his health situation. And I just you know, I almost cried and I just said, thank you, George. And it was nice to kind of have that heads up all week to kind of go, oh, what's what's coming? And it also helped me to like plan better for that week. Like I had like I was really good and prepared meals that week because I knew something was coming up where I was going to be pulled away or emotionally distracted. 
So, but oftentimes, I don't want this to be a Debbie Downer hour. Oftentimes, our loved ones will give us subtle messages like that when something great is about to happen, like a job yeah. offer or a promotion or a new child. But it is always very subtle because that's the way spirit works. They don't imagine. I mean, look, look, imagine the opposite. Imagine if spirit wasn't subtle and you're on the subway and suddenly you see your dad standing in front of you going, oh, hey, hold on. You're going to have a tough <laughs> afternoon. You know, I mean, you'd freak out. So they have to do it subtly. But the more that we recognize it, the stronger that link can become. Yes. And, and more consistent. Yes. Okay. I'm going to read the next question. Denise and Samantha, thank you so much for your podcast. I am loving it and enjoying the chemistry between you two. I'm wondering if you could each tell me a little bit about what a reading with each of you is like. Well, that's a good question. Denise, tell people, like, what do people get when they get a reading with you? What's it like? Oh, they get the whole shebang. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It depends. I always give people the option of, I mean, some people just want intuitive. They don't want the cards. They don't want mediumship. For some people, I'll just tune into your energy. I'll get what I get intuitively. Other people will call and have specific questions. I want to know about this, this, and this, and they'll give me the questions one by one, and I'll go through them. Other people really enjoy the cards, and when I when I do use the cards, I use those as a stepping off point and and combine that with the intuition and surround life, let you know whatever's going on energetically. Equally, and and a lot of times during an intuitive reading or a tarot reading, I'll also get people in spirit will will step forward. Forward. Some folks just want the mediumship and they'll say, I, I really don't care about the psychic stuff. I don't want the cards. I just want to connect with people in spirit. And that's also an option. So I, I really gear my readings towards what the person really want wants to gain. And also, you know, as I say at the beginning of every single reading that I do, it's always subject to change in free will. And if something doesn't resonate, please tell me so that I can go in a new direction. But also, if I am bringing through someone in spirit or making a connection in the medium, I should be able to give you something that confirms that that's the person. So it should be a physical characteristic or a personality trait or something that they pass down to you or something of familiar memory so that it's not much just saying, oh, it's your grandmother and she's sweet. I mean, because that's really a little too vague and a lot of people have sweet grandmothers. My readings are pretty eclectic, and I try to help people connect with their own inner guidance and inner knowing. Do you like to know what type of reading they want before you meet with them, or do you discuss that at the beginning of the reading? Uh, I do both. And some folks are very clear. I just want that, but I always, generally, I don't know, and I'll ask someone. Sometimes when I go and do readings, like this weekend, I'm going to do readings in person with a lot of folks, and I know that one of the days is complete mediumship, because that's, they. she told me, we this is what we want, so I, I'll do several readings in a row that are all connecting to spirit, and equally, when, you, when you're doing a mediumship reading, things will come through intuitively because they're letting you know, the people in spirit are letting you know that they're aware of what's happening in your life at the time or what's coming. I agree. What about, because you do Skype readings, don't you? Like where people can see you and you can see them. Mm-hmm. I do the, the Skype, Zoom, phone. It's You're different. so good about that. I can't do the Skype because... I have to I have to pace when I do readings. I know that sounds so weird, but the energy gets so amped up that it helps me to just pace around my house. I know that probably sounds weird. Do you do you feel that amped up energy though? 
Oh, it definitely, it, it definitely raises your, it, it's a frenetic energy because you have to vibrate mm-hmm. at a higher frequency. A lot of times when, and I can always tell what kind of, some readings that I do really, ra- I feel great. I feel energized. I feel, and I love, and other times it's, it's feeling depleted and I know that I've, I either haven't protected myself enough or I've taken on more than I should have during the reading. For all of those who are listening that do do intuitive readings or mediumship, taking care of yourself and your energy levels is so, so important. I agree. You know, the way I do readings has changed so much over the years, and I'm sure it will continue to change. I used to be so skeptical of my own abilities. I really used to question, where is this coming from? And who is giving me this information? Or I would question, am I just reading their energy? and not getting someone on the other side. Like I doubted myself so much in the beginning. And so I didn't want to know anything about them. And I preferred it if I couldn't see them because then I couldn't make any visual cues either. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, But then I was listening to Chip Coffee being interviewed and he was saying, he's like, look, I only get 30 to 60 minutes with these clients. And so rather than me trying to figure out why the heck they called me, he said, I, I have them send me three questions. And at least then I know I can focus in and get either who they want on the other side or what information they need guidance on. And I thought, wow, that is kind of nice. Because sometimes I would do like a whole reading and bring through someone's grandmother. And at the end, they'd go, well, it was really nice to hear from my grandmother, but I really needed to focus on my career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. So now I do ask, I call it like talking points, you know, like, like I do want either uh, three questions you definitely want answered or at least topics you want me to hit upon. I think it helps when you're dealing with the time issue to just kind of narrow in and, and focus. And I think it's important too. a lot of people will email me and they'll say, do I need to do anything to prepare for a reading? And I used to always say, nope, just show up. And I don't do that anymore. I I will always say yes. If you are hoping that a loved one is going to show up, ask them, like tell them, hey, I'm meeting with this girl. I'm talking to her on the phone at this time, whatever it is, please show up. Uh, And then don't have expectations necessarily that they will show up. It's kind of like manifesting, like you got to state your intention and then surrender it. And so you tell the other side, I'm having this reading, I really hope you show up, or I hope, I hope guides, I hope you can speak to her really plainly and clearly about information I need on this topic. But sometimes they'll come through with something totally different that you might, you might not want to deal with at that moment, but your guides want you to deal with it. So there's that hopeful suspension, I guess, there. And then the other thing I always say is write down questions and topics so that you can focus yourself and get your energy up. I started, in case you guys remember, I was talking about my Lenten promise. Remember me talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. And how, okay, so I'm really happy to report that so far I have stuck with it. And so I'm going to bed earlier and I am reading Monday and Wednesday nights with my kids and doing yoga the other nights. And I started a book called Beyond Black by Hilary Mantle. If any of you guys are history buffs, you'll have heard of her because she's a big history fiction writer. But this book is about a medium. And so I've just started it. I'm, trying, I'm looking at the book now. I'm on page uh, 47. So I'm, I've just started it. 
but she it opens up with her about to go on stage a la John Edward. And you know what's interesting, Denise? She has her assistant kind of walk out into the audience and feel the energy. And then she'll go back and tell the main character, this is a really low energy group or this is a high energy group. And if it's a low energy group, she will plant her assistant in the audience and quote unquote, like fake read her as, oh. as a way to get the energy of the audience amped up. And I thought, that's kind of unethical. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> not a big fan of that. But it was really interesting to read. I, I, I really want to ask Hillary Mantle, are you a spiritualist or something? Because it's very, very detailed. And it, it reminded me of how important the energy of the client is to the reading. Haven't you done readings for people? And, and I mean, gosh, how many times have I said, wow, like I remember I said to this one lady, she was like, is there anyone around me? And I said, yeah, I'm feeling a grandfather, but he feels like a step grandfather. And she said, yeah, I know who that is. And I said, well, he's showing me a room that's painted purple. Like the walls are purple, the ceiling is purple, and it's like an eggplant purple. And she's like, yeah, that was my bedroom growing up. And I was like, that's a pretty good hit. Like, that's not who has a purple <laughs> a bedroom. And she was like, yeah. And I said, um, well, he really wants to talk to you about this move you're thinking about making. And I, he makes me feel like you're making this move for a guy. But that might not be the best idea. And she was like, yeah, I don't know if he's really into me anymore. So I'm not sure if I am going to move to North Carolina. But the whole, it wasn't like, wow, that is my grandfather. I can't believe he knows that about me. It was just like, uh-huh. And I felt like I could say, and Jesus Christ just walked in the room and he's carrying the cross on his back. And, and she'd be like, yeah, he always does that. It was just... So when you have those clients, it's hard to keep your energy up when they're kind of pulling yours down. Yeah. So that's just one thing I want to say is I think it's really important when you are getting a reading. I'm not saying, please, I'm, a, I'm imagining my next reading, Denise, with someone listening to this going, hi, Samantha, I'm so excited for this reading. <laughs> well, my, I don't mean that. No, but my, and just one thing that's difficult for me as a medium is when people either don't know who they're, I'll bring through, okay, grandma, I don't know. I don't know. If you don't know your people or you don't know people, anyone who's passed, it's really hard for a medium to validate. Oh, my daughter, Olivia, she still quotes me. Like she tells this story all the time about how a, a mother emailed me and said, will you do a reading for my 17 year old daughter? And I, I don't know how, I feel really iffy about doing readings for young people. But if the parent is on the phone with us and is on board, I will consider it. And so I was talking to my kids at dinner one night and I was like, I'm really kind of not looking forward to this reading tonight. And my daughter was like, why? And I said, well, it's a young girl, so there's going to be no good dead people. <laughs> <laughs> I always, uh, if someone's under 18, I need parental permission. I, I I do. I don't. And I have done readings for younger people that had lost a parent or a dear friend or a sibling. And, and that's, that's okay. But 
but I agree. Yeah, if they don't have fun dead people, it makes it hard. Okay, do you want to read the next question? Sure. I'm trying to see where we are now. Oh, hello to both of you. I was listening to your episode about the importance of saying no, and I wanted to share your story about it as I'm still working on setting my boundaries. I used to work as a waitress at my previous job. It was long hours on my feet, unpaid overtime, and only one day off a week. And that was after I finally told my boss that I needed to have a day off to spend with my boyfriend. I got into the habit of picking up shifts when someone was sick, someone quit, or if they simply couldn't come in. Eventually, I was the first people person people would ask to work because she always says yes. It wasn't that I wanted to work. I felt like I was doing everyone a favor, including the manager who did a horrible job running the place. It got so bad that I felt like it was my responsibility to make sure everyone got breaks, that everyone ate, pick up the extra tables if they couldn't handle it, basically acting as a floor manager. It wasn't until I overheard the manager talking to her sister, who, who was a bartender and shift manager, about picking up a shift. The manager changed her sister's schedule, and her sister was upset because she wasn't asked to pick up any of the extra hours. And the manager insisted insinuated that her sister had to do what she said and that picking up hours at a moment's notice is expected of the employees. On top of that, when the manager was drunk at the restaurant, off the clock, she got into an argument with a co-worker and said she doesn't have to appreciate or respect us that she was the manager. She was in charge and we had to respect her. It was shortly after that that I quit. And the ironic thing is, I felt like I betrayed and abandoned my coworkers for leaving them in that kind of work environment, even though none of them blamed me for quitting. Fast forward to my current job working in food and beverage at the zoo in my area, much happier and better management. I usually work in the coffee shop, but January and February are slowest months, so I've picked up some baking shifts where I come in in the morning, bake for two hours, and go home. I like it because I'm working and still have time to catch up on stuff that needs to be done. Well, one day someone called off and I offered to cover their shift after I got done with my baking, saying the extra money wouldn't hurt. The next week or so, every day, they asked if I'd come in and help out. I was excited, but after a while, I felt like I was being used. It wasn't until I heard one of the shift managers say, oh, yeah, the head manager said you like to work, so I'm giving you shifts, that I got a red flag. I corrected her and said I like my job, but I'm picking up shifts because I like to help out insinuating that what I was doing was a favor to be appreciated and not taken advantage of. That gave me the courage so that the next time they asked, would you like to stay, to stay on? I told them not today. I have plans. It ended up being they were throwing shifts at me as a favor, not because they really wanted me to stay. So that made me feel better about saying no. The point of the story is that as long as people who struggle with saying no can see the pattern, see the red flags and see their habits cropping up, they can determine where to place their boundaries and know what, when people are crossing them. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's very accurate, that there usually are patterns and red flags. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that previous job she had helped teach her what her red flags were, and that is what enabled her to get a job in a better work environment. But when she said that she felt guilty about quitting because she was leaving everyone else there with that terrible manager, I thought, oh, she's an empath, because how many of us have felt that same way? Uh, yes, I know I have on several occasions. 
and not wanting to yeah. bail out. And, and, and sometimes the more intense the work environment, the more there is that sense of, uh, I don't want to say it's camaraderie, but that it's going to make it worse for the other people, which as empaths makes the decision harder for us. Um, mm -hmm. And also this, what I thought of as I read this earlier is it correlates with so many other aspects of our lives when we're trying to set boundaries and then where it, it will keep showing up and keep showing up in different scenarios or different uh, situations to almost test, okay, are you still going to stay by these boundaries or are you going to, to waver? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And sometimes just speaking your truth about your boundaries is helpful. Like when she said, I'm not doing this because I love to work. I'm doing this to help out. Just being able to say that I think is so empowering and makes you feel better about the work you are doing. But Empaths, just, I think, have to speak their truth. And just as you were saying that, that the piece about wanting to be appreciated and, and not taken advantage of. I, you know, I, I had a situation this, this week and I was driving home and I realized that there are certain places, there's just not a whole lot of tolerance left to be in situations where the people or the place or the situation is toxic or, or not supportive or you don't feel valued and appreciated. And by setting those boundaries, it strengthens and empowers us to, to step away and to have more time and energy for things that do feed our soul and that do support us as, as people on the planet. Well, and we just passed the new moon um, a couple of days ago on the 15th. Tell people what you were telling me about the energy of this new moon, because I think that's uh, important and connected to this story. Well, I, I think what I've been sensing and from what I've talked to a few people is this is truly about finally we're releasing that, that, that toxicity, that energy that has kept us on the loop tape of, um, I feel like we're breaking free. There's no more tolerance for wanting to do the same stuff over and over again. It's about stepping up, stepping forward. Um, from, from what I read a couple days ago, we are starting this long cycle of, you know, very renewed, set a new goal. What are we doing for the next several years of our lives? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it because it does feel uh, similar to the situation I just brought up a few minutes ago is there's no tolerance for that. And, and I had shared with someone that the, the specifics of the situation that I'm not going to do that with that person anymore. I'm done. And, and I didn't uh -huh. feel bad about it. I felt complete. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And yep. I think that's and very much energy. I, I agree. And I think it's also honoring yourself and your feelings rather than honoring the other person's feelings. I think it's important to honor someone else's feelings and wants and desires, but we have to honor ours first. And I know that sounds selfish, but hear me out. You know, as I've shared with everyone, I'm going through this lovely divorce and I'm having friends that I don't, like I shouldn't even call them friends, like acquaintances will call me and say, hey, do you want to meet for coffee? And I know, I know why they're asking for coffee. They want the dirt, right? They want to find out the scoop. 
do you ever sense that when someone asks you to do something and you know it's not because they really miss you and they want to see you they just want to hear what's going on yes and you just know that and so I had I had a little coffee date playing with someone and and I was getting ready and I thought it was the day before and I was putting on my makeup and I was thinking about my week ahead of me and I thought about that meeting and I was like you know that just doesn't feel right and so I rescheduled it I just put it off because I thought you know what that just doesn't feel good to me I'm not going to do it I'm not going to sit there and that's you know my whole situation is super personal I'm not going to share it uh, with this person I haven't seen in years and so I just changed it and it if I felt bad, I will be honest with I, I felt guilty, I felt bad about doing it, but I felt proud of myself too. You were taking back your taking back the reins and saying, This is what I need to do to take care of me. And that goes back to what we talked about in one of the previous shows. The self care piece is so vitally important right now. Mm-hmm. I think even more so than um because as we are stepping more into our own, as we are finding that self-acceptance to, to honor um, our connection to divine or spirituality or empathic, um, you know, sensitivities, that there's a vulnerability with that. And, and mm-hmm. we have to protect ourselves and not to the exclusion of, of shutting people out, but in the sense of making sure that we're, we're safe. Yeah, I think maybe it is. I think that's an important emotion that empaths need to feel is that sense of safety within their own energy and their own boundaries. Because we're always giving so much of ourselves away. That doesn't feel safe. True. I think it's a good choice of words. And to parents out there, I think that as we practice self-care and and learn to set our boundaries and say no and stand in our own light, I think we're modeling that for our kids. You know, I was sharing with my children how I said no to one of those coffee dates and my daughters were like good for you mom and then not even two days later one of my daughters was invited to a sleepover and and she said to me do you think I should go and I thought well that's kind of a strange question because who you know most kids are like yeah I can't wait and so I said well you know if you want to go go and if you don't you know stay home with me like that's we'll make brownies do you do what you want to do honey and she just kind of thought about it and I said what's what's really going on here? And, you know, me, my mind went to all sorts of places. Is there really a party and you're, you're trying to tell me <laughs> going all around? <laughs> and she said, um, she said, you know what, mom, I realized about myself. I love hanging out with my friends, but I don't like sleepovers. Good for and her. I said, done, you know, I'll pick you up at 11. And she was like, okay. So she hung out with her friend and I picked her up, you know, at 11, 1130. So I think that when we do this, we honor and uh, role model for our kids to do this too. Okay, I'll stop blabbering and move on to the no, next question. No, but that, that's, it, I love that. I love that because you're empowering your daughter, but also giving her that strength and modeling the behaviors. It's, it's exactly, what, it's similar to the very first question as far as let, when, that the little person was seeing fairy lights and auras and everything else. Just, yes, I honor that in you. Mm-hmm. Well, in honoring in ourselves and our kids and, and for anyone else connected to us, that we do have the ability to make choices ourselves. That's one thing 
that I think is really important for all people to learn to do is to not seek a hundred opinions, but to be confident enough to make your own choices. Okay, our next question is from Shannon. Good morning, I was listening to you all uh, mention that you can, okay, I totally messed that up, hold on. Good morning, <laughs> I was listening to you. <laughs> Uh, and heard you mention that we can message you through Facebook. I had recently ordered from your Etsy site and had messaged you there. Okay, first of all, let me say people to that comment. There are so many ways that people can contact me that I get overwhelmed and I forget to check them. So like there is a little conversation thing on the Etsy store. I forget to look there all the time. So I apologize if you've sent me a conversation. I forget to check it. My daughter pulled up my Instagram the other day and she was like, Mom, you have seven private messages on Instagram. I was like, what? You can message people? And I had no clue. She's like, what do you think that little seven means up there? I said, I don't know. I thought I got seven new likes today. <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> so I don't know how to check half the ways people can comment. The best way to message me is through Facebook because I do check that. Okay. I was listening to your podcast on the way from taking my daughter to school and you were talking about looking for signs from loved ones. And so I said to my father who has passed, dad, show me you're with me through my new business endeavors. And moments later, I passed the high school and a flashed an electronic sign that said, success is in your future. He was a business owner and I often wish I had him here to help guide me. It then dawned on me that I do. I love oh. that story. Oh, that's lovely. I have to share a quick, and, and I had checked with this woman, I had done a reading and I said, you're going to have a sign, a very concrete sign very soon about what choice you should make. And she sent me a note and she, she said that she had got, she had received a, a half dollar in her change and she was really excited because she, where they live in this part of the country, that's not a common thing you get in your change. And so she was showing the man she was involved with and he said, wow, that's really cool. And then they were talking about how they used to be silver and all that. They were just talking a lot about half dollars. And then a couple days later, he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a half dollar that he had gotten with change. And she said, that was my sign. Two halves make a whole. And I know we're meant to be together. And I just loved that. I just absolutely loved that spirit. And I do believe spirit orchestrated that to give them both something that said, yes, you're in the right place at the right time with the right person. Oh, that is so cool. One of my favorite stories, I didn't, it wasn't connected to me or a client. I, I read it in a, in a magazine, but I'll never forget it. This woman was working at like a 7-Eleven type store. And she was really bored one night and she was just thinking, will I ever find love? Will anybody ever love me? Will I ever be in a relationship? You know, one of those true pity parties we tend to throw for ourselves. And so she wrote on a dollar bill, she wrote her name and something like her name and my true love finds me or something like that on the dollar bill and just put it back in the cash register and kind of forgot about it. And a year later, she had already met and fallen in love with this wonderful new man. And he goes into this store to buy, you know, her diamond ring to propose to her. And he's asking his family on the other side, you know, for a sign. And he gets, I think he was buying roses after he got the diamond ring. And he gets his change back and there's a dollar bill and it has her name on it with true love. It was oh. the dollar bill she had done like a year before. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I love that. 
I absolutely love that stuff. I'm, I do too. Okay. Um, I have a client that I just love dearly. She's so, she's so sweet and wonderful and her energy is always really easy to read and her, her people come through very, very clearly. And so I had read for her several times and she called me up for a phone reading. She and her husband were trying to buy a house and she wanted to know if it would work out. And she wanted to know in particular if her grandfather had anything to say about that. And all I saw were the words, don't sweat the small stuff. And she was very, she's so nice. Like I can get stuff so wrong with her and she'll try to make it fit. And I'll go, no, no, do not make this fit. If I'm getting it wrong, I'm getting it wrong. And so I said, all, he, all I keep seeing your grandfather say is don't sweat the small stuff. And she was like, huh, that doesn't really sound like something he would say, but that's a nice message. <laughs> and um, I kind of hung up the phone going, oh, my gosh, like, did I not get a good connection? And she emailed me a couple of months later a picture of her house. And she said, this house is everything we wanted and more. And everything with the closing was effortless. Like she said, it was such a gift from my grandfather. And she said, zoom in on the front porch, on the, the staircase in particular. So I downloaded the picture and I zoomed in and it was cement stairs leading up. And on one of the cement stairs was engraved, don't sweat the small stuff. Oh, that is fabulous. It was so cool. And so she said, you know, she's like me and the realtor, they're looking around at houses and, oh, do I like this one? Do I like that one? And then she saw this one and she just fell in love with it. And when she walked up to the porch and saw that, she was like, oh my gosh, this is my grandfather. That is so cool. I know. I love stories like that. Uh, so, okay. So we have time for one quick one and then we've got to wrap it up because we're already out of time. Oh my goodness. Um, this one. I know. Doesn't that go by fast? Love, love, love your podcast and also psychic teachers. Just wanted to recommend a book, Basic Psychic Development by John Friedlander and Gloria Hemsher. Have you heard of that one, Denise? Uh, no. I haven't either. I'm, I'm going to check it out. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need to, someone uh, Facebooked us and said, please write down all the books you recommend. So I'll, I will try to stay on that. So that is called Basic Psychic Development by John Friedlander and Gloria Hemsher. She says it's a psychic handbook filled with exercises, including chakra clearings, cord cutting, communication with higher self. Also, Samantha, do you have a crystal bracelet for empaths? So I don't have a crystal bracelet just for empaths, but what I do have is the Labradorite bracelet. And I just wanted to mention that because if you didn't know, Labradorite is such a great crystal for so many reasons. It's wonderful for opening up to your psychic ability and awakening your third eye. Um, But Judy Hall recommends Labradorite as the go-to stone for empaths. She said because Labradorite is so protective that it allows you to open up to your psychic ability while protecting your psychic energy, which is exactly what empaths need. So if I, you know, I I don't have my Labradorite bracelet labeled as an empathy bracelet, but that would be the bracelet I would recommend for empaths. Do you work with Labradorite at all, Denise? Oh, it's a beautiful stone. I think it's a very pretty stone. I do too. And it it does have that strong energy, like I'm going to protect your aura, but still allow you to see, feel, and sense things, which is really, really important. So thank you for that book recommendation. I love getting book recommendations from you all. 
um, a listener recommended a fun fiction read to me that I, I really enjoyed. So please keep the book recommendations coming. I think they're awesome. I wanted to mention before we close out that I have a webinar coming up. I'm very excited about. It's on February 27th, and then the follow-up is on March 6th. So it's a two-part webinar called Manifesting Miracles. You will get my manifesting e-course uh, with the webinar, which is, I think, over like 100 pages of handouts. So it'll come as a link. And we're going to cover everything about manifesting. And if you guys know me, I'm not into like, you know, fluffy ideas. I I'm into like actual things you can start doing right now to manifest. So I have in there like crystals to help you manifest, affirmations to help you manifest, meditations to help you manifest, just actual practical things you can start doing now. A lot of fun feng shui tips and some old metaphysical techniques that definitely work. The reason why I'm doing it as a two-part is because in the first part of the class, I'm going to teach you all how to how to create a goal book so that you can actually start manifesting right away. And then in the second part of the class, I'm going to follow up with some important points about surrendering and releasing your goals to the universe so that they can start to manifest. But the main part of that second class is about you all sharing your goal book with everybody else in the class. I'm hoping that it'll be a really good motivator to get everyone to do the goal book. You know how sometimes you take a class and you get all psyched and amped up and then life hits you and you get distracted and you forget about those great handouts and ideas. I'm hoping with this part too, if you know you have to share and you have to get it done, kind of like a like a teacher thing, then you'll you'll do it. And if you share it in an environment that is safe and supportive, I think that's very what's the word I'm looking for? Very it 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 reminds the universe once you give voice to your goals and they're validated by other people and heard by other people, it reminds the universe that you're serious about getting these goals done. So I hope you join me for that. It's a webinar on February 27th and March 6th. And I wanted to thank everybody for joining me for the Beginner's Crystal class. Uh, I had over two dozen of you, and it was a great group. We have decided to set up uh, a closed Facebook group for students of that class so they can share crystals. And it's just, I think we're going to start a really nice crystal community based off of that. So I'll definitely be teaching that again. Uh, anything else we need to mention, Denise? No, I think you've covered it. Okay. Oh, oh I did want to ask everybody to um, leave us a comment on iTunes if you like the show. Denise and I read every review we get, and we really appreciate you all taking the time to do that. And if you like the show, tell a friend so that we can keep building this community. And don't forget to join us on Facebook. I've posted a lot of cool stuff. I hope people don't mind. Not every post is about empathy like sometimes I just post stuff I really want to share with people but I can't share on my personal page because they'll go wait a minute she believes in aliens now so I post all sorts of stuff on there and I know Denise you do too so most of it is about empathy but some of it is just about fun cool stuff connected to all things spiritual so we hope you check us out there as well um, we're going to have some exciting guests coming up. We got such great feedback from our last guest that we have scheduled some really cool new guests coming up. So we hope you tune in for those. And in the meantime, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Have a great week, everybody.